Just a heads up before that nice Alex voiceover chap tells you who produces this here show. For those in parts of the UK now going into or already in countrywide lockdowns again, this episode was recorded just prior to the school half-term holidays, when we were travelling reasonably freely and looking forward to the, the odd bit of winter work, as you'll judge by one of the questions. Of course, things can change reasonably rapidly these days, and this episode reflects that in every single way. If you're in another country where lockdown has been a feature of your life or an impending one is about to be announced, we both feel your pain. Keep the faith. Remember what you do, what we do, if you're a professional, is important, no matter what you're told. Even by government, it would seem in some cases. We're writing through our pictures history of our family, of other people, or of course, of ourselves. Big love from both myself and Kev in a genuine, not just said because it looks good on social media kind of way. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, I know this is not the, the book today. What book have we got, by the way? Uh, today we've got William Gedney. Ah, right. Only the Lonely. Only the Lonely. Oh, there's a song. Yeah. Um, Chris Porsche. Um, I'm doing an interview. On oh, that can't be his name, Porsche. It is. P-O-R-S-Z. Oh, that's so, even better. Yeah. So um, he is, uh, I'm interviewing him for Photography Daily. And uh, he's done this book called Reunions. This yeah. is a brilliant book. I'm not doing a book review, but I just wanted to uh, just throw this in front of you, see what you think straight away. So he lives in Peterborough. He's a, he's a paramedic. And uh, so what he did, he's, he's prolific. He's described as prolific. He was spending all his money on film from his work as a paramedic, or an ambulance driver, as it would have been called then, wouldn't uh. it, in the 80s? What are you, paramedic? What's one of those? Ambulance mm. driver. Oh, mm. I know. And uh, so he spent all his money on, um, on film for his cameras. And he was taking, at some stage, between 200 and 300 pictures. I don't know if that's a day or a week. Must, must have been a week. Maybe a day. I don't know. Those ambulance drivers earned a lot of money in them days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so he took all these wonderful pictures, documentary pictures, that sort of picture that's right up your street. Yeah, anyway. I love it. So it's a boyfriend and girlfriend, or it could be a young husband and wife, kissing each other goodbye at Peterborough Station in the early 80s, looking at it. Looks like an early 80s picture. Yeah. So he made all these pictures, and then... Years later, he thinks, I wonder what all those people are doing now. Yeah. So he becomes a private investigator, effectively, and goes, goes and finds all these people that he photographed that he didn't have names for, by the way, or model releases or anything like that. He found them again and photographed them in the same places, oh, but only this it. time in colour. Love it. So love all, it. All, all his old pictures are in black and white, and the new pictures are in colour. That's the, that's the... Oh, no, actually, no, that's not... Um, well, yeah, that is pretty yeah, much... That, that's the story, yeah, mostly. Yeah. So, but this one, the House Fire, 1980. Yeah. So he took that picture in 1980, and uh, then he went and found um, all the people that were affected by that and put them in front of the same house now, being rebuilt, yeah. in 2016. Incredible, isn't it? <laughs> and you know this, you know the lesson from this? I'm, I'm looking at you talking about that book and looking yeah. into it, and I'm thinking, how many times, and I'm including myself in this, mm -hmm. in fact, I'm mostly talking to myself, do I sit there thinking, I really want to do this particular project? Well, it doesn't matter what the project is, a mm. project. Yeah. And then I never do it. Yes. You know, never do it. I sit there lamenting, rubbing my fat belly. <laughs> okay. Thinking about my gout. <sighs> yeah. Happy Fujicast Day. Yes. The Fujicast. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome along to the Fujicast, you and your questions from our electronic mailbag and, of course, uh, also through the Fujicast private Facebook group that you're very welcome to become a part of. If you want to send a, a mail in the old-fashioned way, Hey, this is funny. The old-fashioned way. What? By letter? No, not by letter. By pigeon? No. By, by ambulance e driver. <laughs> by ambulance driver. By email. 
Oh, that's the old-fashioned way of doing things, isn't it? <laughs> Click at fujicast.co.uk is still the address. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Thank you to those of our friends who are now supporting us on Patreon, which, for the price of a coffee, keeps the show growing, but most importantly, keeps it going. And if you're one of our patrons, of course, uh, you, you occasionally, not all the time, get bumped to the front with your questions as well. Kev's Book of the Week, as you heard, um, coming up as well. Right. Shall we? Uh, you're looking very confused. You know, you're looking at your uh, your your Dell Boy machine. <laughs> it's just epidemic, isn't it? <laughs> uh, are you going to go so first? fortuitous? Uh, yes. Go. Why not? Go. Why go. not? Go. Cam- Cameron French says uh, this could be for Kevin or Neil. How has photography changed you? Not necessarily from a business perspective, i.e. I make this much money, I mm. shoot this many weddings a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he obviously wrote this a long time ago. <laughs> but how has it changed you personally? Do you feel that the focus on observing moments when shooting, say, weddings, has yeah. impacted how you parent, how you interact oh. with others, how you see the world? Uh, that's a lot of questions. I've got to say it doesn't change at all the way I parent. No. How does it affect me the way I see things? Have you never thrown a camera at one of the kids? <laughs> <laughs> No, I threw one at the television when Arsenal were losing. <laughs> Come on, boys. Yeah. Heaven's sake. You're always in transition. What's going on? <laughs> Venger out. Um, oh, I don't know. How has it changed? I suppose I'm, I'm more observational, generally. I think 15 years ago, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought, in, uh, I wouldn't have thought in, in pictures as much as I do now. I think we all do that, don't we, to an extent, to a larger extent or not, that we start to see light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you will I do I walk along and I see a pool of light and think oh what make a cracking picture mm. whereas I wouldn't have done that 15 years ago it's changed in that respect I think I've become more empathic as well yeah I think so too and I, I also, that's weddings for you yeah I think I, I, I always find myself in like supermarkets and stuff like that thinking oh that'd be a great picture yeah you know, well, not so much about the light, a, but a paresque. Yeah, that that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what I love. I said that's true. You so, do see more paresque moments. Yeah, you do yeah. see more yeah. more observations of life. I think if you're I, a photographer, yeah. I was down in Swanage with the uh, the outlaws, and uh, <laughs> that's a very nineties phrase, isn't it? All right, Rodney. Mm. Um, and uh, I went off for a little walk because um, I was recording a, a photo walk edition for for photography daily and. And, but I saw something I wouldn't usually have picked up, I'm sure. There was just four people sat cowering um, undercover because it was pozzoling with rain. Yeah. And I, I looked at them and I thought, oh, you look fantastic. As a framed up family, I even went to talk to them and said, we're staying here till it stops raining. Did you ask them before you took the picture? No. Did, you go and speak? Did they see you or something? I, Did you I'm, just- I'm, took the picture. And then I thought, actually, I, I think you're quite interesting as well. So I went to talk to them. And that, they did then ask me, why are you taking pictures? Mm. But at that point, we just got into a conversation. About and that's, uh, they, I said, where have you come from? We come from Nottingham, right? And we're staying here till it stops raining. <laughs> They're still there now, are they? They're probably <laughs> still there. Yeah. Um, so it's changed me in that respect, yeah, ob- observationally. I tell you what has changed me is the people I've met, for sure. Um, yeah, I've met. Do you mean the opportunities of people you've met? No, 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 not necessarily. But so, so for example, last week um, we had Ziza Cruz Bacani on the show. Or was it the week before? No, that was the week before. These weeks week go so before. quickly. Yeah. And you know things that, like she said during that interview that the the most important thing that anybody ever said to her was don't look down on people, but also don't look up at them. Oh, that was a brilliant phrase. Yeah, love that. And so things like that. I Have think, you are important. actually applied that in your life? I'd like to think I'd try and, weeks. try and do that. Yeah. Well, there was that conversation we had just before we went on air that yeah, yeah. I think didn't really apply. But uh, but mostly, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> no, I, I do like to think I'm quite a level person. However, uh, you know, the, but the thing is, the point is that I, you know, I then passed that ma- mantra onto onto Rosa. Yeah. You know, and I said, look, it's really important. This is a really, really interesting thing to to think about when you know if you're in school and and you know people are saying nasty things about you or whatever then sometimes you 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 need to think actually you know what what are they doing what's happening in their shoes do you think you've got that through being a photographer though? no but i think i've i've i don't know not necessarily but i think that you know generally seeing and meeting other people mm. and what they look at and you know just pick it like so this book is william gedney book today will you know make me think mm. about things a little bit i think that's that's definitely what's happened to me um do you ever regret becoming a photographer well no that's a very very tricky subject worm can open i don't regret changing careers as i did mm. however had i stayed where i was i'd be retired and probably have a house <laughs> in magaluf yeah magaluf what was she's magaluf <laughs> don't know all places wherever but yeah um no hang uh, on magaluf's nice neil oh sorry it is yeah, yeah. I, I i've never been there i no i don't i don't regret it no mm. absolutely not i regret some of the things i've done during that journey um like what do you mean business decisions no like podcasting <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're so horrible <laughs> no i don't i love podcasting and uh, uh yeah certain things you know like for example in the first couple of years i worked way way too many weddings didn't yeah, charge enough had, and yeah but you had to do that to establish yourself yeah but i feel like I that never i run the risk that. of i mm, really? i run the risk of, yeah but i didn't i didn't learn from those mistakes at the beginning and i no. did in the end and, and yeah, yeah. yeah okay fair enough that's yeah. that's a hindsight thing yeah. but but so no i don't i don't regret becoming a photographer i do regret that i haven't become what i wanted to become what was that nina cherry <laughs> <laughs> No, I want. I would love to be what I always clap. And I, again, I'm being careful, but like a proper documentary photographer. Okay. And you don't feel that being a wedding photographer, or oh, this is worms and cans. Mm. Oh, look, even Bokeh Chicken can see the worms. She's right in there. Yeah. But so you do you feel that the wedding photography market hasn't hasn't provided you that opportunity? Mm, yeah. Well, it has on a very personal scale for those people. Mm. And and yes, I'm happy. Maybe it's you don't feel you've made a difference well, to the world. Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe there's that. Maybe mm. there's that. You know. What I would like, I'd love to get a phone call from somebody and says, mm. right, you know what, Kev, we we're I don't know. Let's just say, it's. It's the election, a general yeah. election, oh, and oh, yeah. your local uh, our local MP is conservative. Doesn't really matter, but yeah. you know they need a photographer to follow him around for a week. Um, you know you're the man for the job. Ah, oh, hold on. <laughs> is that James Gray? Hello. Oh, it's Gemma. <laughs> says could you follow her around for a week she'd like that if you could document her <laughs> she'd feel more special and she'd stop having to call adrian in uh, yeah is the boiler broke again <laughs> boiler's broken i know what you mean though i do know what you mean i mean i i i, I watched this um it was it was really harrowing um program about the photographers and the journalists that were taken and, and killed by isis of course mm. making their stories mm. you know that's that uh, i mean you're making a real difference aren't you by doing that kind of work yeah but, but, but then you have to have a very different mindset as well to what well i don't know maybe you've got that mindset well it, it's not so much about the I'm, I'm always i always think about um the jazz loft eugene smith oh, okay all right right and i, I did go to a, a, an extreme there you, you, you really did but but the thing is uh, there's a new uh eugene smith film coming out with right. um who's that that guy that all the women love acting him as him anyway We'll, we'll we'll come to that when it when it's released. 
Um, but like, oh look, your phone's ringing. <laughs> Who's offering you? Well, we're still recording. Um, we're still recording. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah. You rang me though. I didn't. Didn't we have this conversation last week? This is like <laughs> on the show. This is like if we entered the twilight zone. Yeah. This is. The, this doesn't make any sense. Okay. All right. Whilst I've got you, <laughs> okay, can everybody just st- stand by everybody? Because whilst whilst Kev's got, yeah. Can you have a discussion off off podcast with Neil and see whether his boys have got any wet suits he can borrow for a holiday? Oh, I tell you that now. No, they haven't. No, no. no. Oh. Sorry about that. Okay. Do you want me to answer anything while I'm on? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been on twice already, actually. <laughs> Funny enough. All right. I meant to ask you last time, Kev. How's your rash? <laughs> right, go in there. Bye. Bye. Oh dear, that's uh, that's bizarre, isn't it? There's us doing a sketch with Gemma, then the real one, the real one calls up. up. <laughs> she ruined it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah but so uh, I can't. I totally forgot what we were saying now. Like um, Eugene Smith. Eugene Smith. Yeah. So just like being able to actually document a substantial uh, topic. Yeah, but bo- that's a better a real, opportunity a as well as work. a body of work. But that's mm. a better ob- opportunity as well as means and motive. Mm. So mm. like a detective. But going back to Chris, Chris Porsche, I mean, he, he didn't exactly I that mean, when he stepped out to do those exactly pictures. That. He had no idea he was going to do reunions. No, he just you know he was he was thinking well. That's interesting. Let me get that. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, sometimes I sit there and I think, oh, well, yeah, but life gets in the way, you know, but life is yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. You know, we, you've got a, your kids and, you know, you've got to go to Aldi and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there, there was another book that Chris sent in here called New England. Mm. Now, look, these are just people outside their houses. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know skit picking. I know this is the sort of stuff you love. I know you could pour through this. I know that yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd enjoy this. But, the, but the, this is just 1980s Peterborough. Of course, but the problem these days is, you know, you go and do that now, and, mm-hmm. and you, it's a whole uh, yeah, troublesome take, exercise. Taking away the fact that some people might say, what are you doing? There's plenty of people that do do street portraits that also don't get that. True, but, you know, <clears throat> to have the... When you were uh, the only, pretty much the only person in town with a camera, yeah. you, you know, you would get away with it far more, and that's often why you see the, the mm-hmm. looks on people's faces are often mm-hmm. a bit more... Um, interested because yeah. they're like, oh, look, he's got one of those posh camera things, yeah. uh, you know. And so you'll get different different perspectives. But now, of course, everybody's got camera. Everybody's pointing iPhones at things mm. and everything, mm. and 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 things. And that's not an excuse, you know. It's the excuse is my own lethargy for doing stuff. Yeah, and then, if, I should I mean, just you go can't... and flag, flag, flog myself in the corner <laughs> of the room now with a damp copy of the Radio Times. <laughs> but. Um, uh, there are photographers. I spoke to one recently called Laird Kay, who's an aviation photographer. Now he didn't he didn't intend to. He's a he's a proper plane geek. He loved planes. Hmm. It was only because he took a couple of pictures that Lufthansa saw that said, "Oh, quite like that." That suddenly his career and life changed direction. Hmm. That's the great thing about being a photographer, I think, because because um, despite all this sort of uh, oh god, what are we going to do? There's no weddings, and I feel that way too. Um, you can make an image, you can do something that, that entirely changes your life. And I think photography is, is one of those few industries, one of those few occupations where I think that creatively can just happen to you. What I think is interesting about, the, so the book that you just showed, the... Um, Chris Porsche, New England, or the other one, Reunions. Well, both of them, Yeah, both of them. Probably what wasn't going through their minds, certainly for the Reunions book wasn't, but probably what wasn't going through their minds at, the at that point was... Mm. 
I'm taking these pictures because I want people to see them and, no, and get no, adoration. No, and that's no, a problem no. that we all suffer from it. I suffer from it myself as well. Well, he wouldn't have been making it for Instagram, would he? Exactly. But this <laughs> is the thing. These days, so many people are so much rush into, I need to get a great picture. I need to get on Instagram. And then yeah, they get yeah, really annoyed yeah, yeah. if somebody down thumbs it or whatever they call it. And, you know, and, and the, the means and the message is slightly different. Mm. Um, you know, I feel like we're all in a rush with so many of us. Yeah that are photographers which is a good thing and I'm including iPhone people and all that kind of stuff and we're all screaming in the same barrel uh, you know, and I feel like people like that who are who are actually outside the barrel, just getting on with their job, mm. are the ones that finally bubble to the top of the barrel. Mm. Um, mm. So, wait, an interesting question. Yeah, it was an interesting question. Yeah. Okay, thank right. you, Cameron. Your yours, I think. There, Kev. Okay, TJ Ludek. If either of you had to pick up one camera and one lens to shoot for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, blimey, um, from the Fujifilm range. Um, uh, I, did, I don't. I don't own one, by the way. Just, but because I've been using the X Pro one of, of a lot of late, I'd like an X Pro three, um, and I think I'd put on a vintage lens. I'm assuming this is not that I have to go and then earn money with it. I guess not because yeah. I've, I've so enjoyed We've slowing kind of down. Given up on that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No money. What's money? Who cares? Um, yeah, I've so enjoyed the, that slowing down process. Uh, I suppose that wouldn't be so. Maybe I'd stick on a what, what is it the um, sixteen to um, oh help me out Kev sixteen to um, fifty five fifty five that one yeah, sixteen to fifty five on X Pro three I think I'd be made happy I think I would I would probably go X one hundred V with the fixed lens but if it had to be an interchangeable I would go X Pro three and I would probably even though I've got my love of the twenty three and fifty six I'd probably go thirty five purely right. because if it's forever. Mm-hmm. 35 is wide enough to get a bit of storytelling in yeah, yeah, also yeah. has a little bit of depth of field for yeah. the, the old portrait yeah. so I think I'd, I'd do that 35 1.4 yeah. so um, the, that's the re- well the reason I've gone with the zoom by the way is because I'm thinking if this is for life I, I do want a bit more mm-hmm. of a range I I'm, I'm having to sort of make do a little bit there because mm-hmm. I don't really use zooms that much unless I'm filming filming I use them all the time stills always prime oh, well there you go TJ yeah there's your answer <laughs> Um, here's one from Colin Bately. Morning, Kev. Morning, Neil. It's not necessarily morning. I mean, we always say morning, but it's not necessarily where you are. Could be any any time of the day, couldn't it? Love the show, etc. My question is Lightroom related. I've taken in several videos on YouTube. Let me uh, first take you through my workflow, which is probably not done properly, but uh, it's going to help you understand the question. Files are imported. Are you ready? Stand by. Files are imported as RAF. I sort the wheat from the chaff. So that's normal. Yeah. Actually, and it rhymed as well. There we go. You're a poet and you just don't know it. Yeah. Once I've sorted which files are worth editing, I'll let Kev's presets take up the hard work there and the strain. Once everything's edited, I like to keep the hard drive on my Mac as free from clutter so I can export the edited files as pegs into the folder that I want them to reside within Lightroom. Then I move the RAF files to an external drive. My problem is, and this has only just started to happen, that the edited files are not appearing in the Lightroom catalogue. Obviously, I can go to their location using Finder and add them manually, but surely this should happen automatically as they're being only really moved within the catalogue. So am I doing something wrong, or is it simply a setting that's been adjusted? Many thanks, and Auntie Nancy sends her regards. <laughs> Gus Bately in Poole, which is where Auntie Nancy lives. Auntie Nancy does live in Poole, mm. and uh, I think he. Yeah, I think if I remember right, he's the bus driver, isn't he? He is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh bless. He probably sees more of Auntie Nancy than I do. Yeah. 
so I, I suspect what's happening here is unless you're moving those images in the Lightroom for, uh, catalog itself, i.e. dragging them around in there, then it will lose the reference to it. So if you're moving the raw files, RAF files, via Finder, you're just dragging them to another location, then Lightroom will lose its reference and you will need to just say... You only need to point to one, mm. and then it will find the rest of them. Um, easiest thing to do is right-click. Can you right-click on a Mac? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah. right-click on the, the one of the images that's missing and choose Show in Explorer, yeah. uh, Show in Finder in your case, yeah, yeah. and it will show you where it thinks it should be. And if that's not where it thinks it should be, then that's that's the problem. And you can always just do Locate, and away we go. But if you move them in Lightroom, shouldn't be a problem. But if you're moving them outside of Lightroom, then Lightroom needs to be re-notified. Mm. Um, that's that's probably what's happening. Well, I, I upgraded my operating system recently, and uh, Lightroom has been a proper pain since then, actually. And um, it won't. Uh, I can't load. I can't import from. Um, it's it sees the drive and it sees the folder, but then it won't see the images. I, I read something about that. Have you? Uh, yeah, drive yeah, me think, nuts. Isn't it something to do with the, the latest Mac OS update? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I read something similar. Now I've got the latest Lightroom. So I made sure I've got the latest Lightroom. But Mac's not letting me see... Has anybody else had this problem? I know Kev won't because he's a... No, but I have read about he's it. He's a Windows, but you've, you've read about it. Mm. Ah, okay. If anybody's had that problem, write me. Let me know. It's driving me mad. Every night I'm saying, look at this. And Sam doesn't know how to fix it. Bless her. <laughs> she just says, why don't you speak to Kev? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Um, right, I think we've got one more time for one more question, then we're into the interview. Okay, this is from Taiwan. Uh, Enrique Lin. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. I absolutely love the podcast. It calms my soul every day as I calms, listen to... Calms. Calms. Calms, calms, calms my soul. Ooh, it's nice, okay. isn't it? I yeah. like the sound of that. Blimey. Play a little bit of background music when I well, say that. I'm trying to find some. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, all right, here's, here's some background music. No, that's Australian. Oh, I do have this. What about this one? Oh, yeah. oh that's not very calming because this is like Stranger Things. It calms my soul every day oh, as I listen to it. That's before spooky. Bed. No, that we're Keep in up the we're great yerk. Hold on, we're, we're in the upside down. We can't be in the upside down. <laughs> a fun question for you both: If cameras can speak to humans, right, but can only make sounds via its onboard parts, excluding <laughs> the speaker, what would it sound like, and what will it say to you? Oh. Would you please make an impression? Thank you. <laughs> An impression of what a camera would sound like. Okay, so if cameras can speak to humans, <laughs> yes, but can only make sounds via its onboard parts, excluding microphone speakers, what would right. it sound like, and what would it say to you? Well, that's just a, a, a series of clicks and bings, isn't it? Really, if they had a voice, I know what they'd all have very different voices, wouldn't they? So the X Pro one would be like, you know, I'm cool, don't need to prove anything today. Whereas <laughs> X100 would be a little bit too keen. <laughs> Next one hundred would always Yucking be like, like that heels. little dog that's going. Let's get down. <laughs> and whereas an XT two would come along and say, "Let me through." Here comes the serious yeah, guy. Yeah. Look at XH one over there trying to pretend that he's got everything that an XT four's got. Yeah, yeah no but one really likes you. No, no one likes your XH one. You're old. <laughs> During the war, XH1 would say. <laughs> I always imagine my camera saying ouch every time I stick a memory card God, in. Yeah, yours would. <laughs> ouch, ouch. I always imagine yours saying, can we have a divider, please? The little eyes peering out from the top of that bag saying, it'd be, it'd be like. Uh, they love it because they get to spend time together. Yeah, a camera's not just for Christmas. I can, I can almost see the advert. No, you've got it wrong. Cameras you, love to be together. Would you treat your cameras like this? Yes. Quite right. Help a camera find a home this Christmas. <laughs> Give it a divider. <laughs> oh, Velcro and dividers. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so my cameras would say, ouch. Would they? Ouch, ouch. Every time I stuck my memory cards in. Yeah. And, and, uh, oh, and what about that little funny button at the bottom to release the battery? What would it make then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about the noise that that thing would make. God. Uh, yeah, that's a very bizarre question. Intrig- well, you get possibly it. the first question we've ever had from Taiwan as well. Yeah, no, possibly. Th- yeah, thank you very much for that. I think it was intriguing, it calming, was intriguing. intriguing. There was so much going on there. Was that that question had depth? Yes, definitely. Yes, like memory card slot holders. <laughs> right, interview time. This week, Jamie Stoker is back for part two of his chat with us about his photography as a as a respected fashion and portrait photographer. You'll remember that Jamie made the switch to Fujifilm, adopting early on the X-Pro range, and he entered into a high-end shoot straight out the traps, literally a day after trading his DSLRs for the X-Pro and one single lens. Jamie's now a Fujifilm ex-photographer, part of the ambassadorial lineup, and I was intrigued to know a little more about how this system swap worked out for him. I mean, he's a commercial shooter with a solid client list, which includes the likes of Adidas and Dior and Dazed and Confused, Burberry, Columbia Records, Universal, Nike, Vogue. So let's start out by finding out more on the hows and whys of what he chooses to shoot with. When I, whenever I talk about like gear and obviously working as an ambassador and stuff, what I say to people is, is I'm a big believer in matching the right gear to your style of shooting. And I, and I love now, obviously, with the GFX that we have this choice between do you go big and focus on image quality and slow down slightly and adopt that medium format ethos where you're really focusing on um, the image above all else. And that's the kind of route I go when I'm doing a portrait or a commercial shoot when I know I'm really focusing on the image and my subject and I have time to set up an image. But then if it's anything that's slightly more documentary or fast moving, I obviously use the x series and mm. my main setup for a lot of the backstage fashion week stuff that i do tends to be an xt3 uh with a i'm a big prime lens shooter and so i have the xt3 with the 35 1.4 on my shoulder and then around my neck i have the xh1 with the 56 1.2 and those are the two ones i'm using interchangeably just to to get those slightly wider and closer up shots of of the scene i'm shooting but if it's a portrait and you've got time it's going to be a gfx is that 100 or 50 uh 50 s uh just because that's what i right. I, I actually had a, a this was obviously before i was an ambassador but i had a pentax 645z that i was using in the days when i was working a lot with burberry and we were doing you know more kind of commercial stuff and then when the when the gfx first came out it was obviously a no-brainer to to move on to that so i think i was like one of the first people in the uk to buy a gfx 50s and i've, I've had it ever since although I, I i actually really like the 50r i think that's a lovely camera to hold and, and use and and for me it's kind of the closest thing to like a digital mumia 7 that i've come across so that's i'm eyeing that up enviously although with covid <laughs> times it's probably a hard justification yeah. Well, we were originally going to chat about the X, uh, XF50 lens, what, the, the F1, a, a couple of weeks ago. You were testing it out, but what did you find? It's a, it's a £1,500 lens. If I had the money, would I, what, would I enjoy it if I could find the money? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, I was, I was someone who was really excited about the idea of it being a, a 33 um 50 mil equivalent and then i watched as it turned uh into the 50 mil and i think i saw on, on the website yourself included uh, i was uh my main lens that i use is the 56 mm. 1.2 mm. so so again i think that's one of the reasons they wanted me to try it out and i i would i would say that the thing that struck me most about it uh and they they mentioned this when they were talking about the design of the lens 
is they were trying to kind of create that famous magical hard to pin down look to the lens and they they said it's built in a similar way to the 35 1.4 which has always been one of my favorite lens just for the look of the images they have that slightly timeless look mm. um and i saw that very much so in the images from the 50 mil uh, the 56 1.2 is a lens I love, but it has quite a sharp, slightly, I don't know how to describe it, but in comparison to the 50 mil, there's definitely more of an organic kind of uh, timeless look to the images. And then when you add in the fact that you obviously have a slightly wider field of view and a faster aperture and it's weather sealed, my main kind of takeaway, and and as someone who probably will pick one up and thinking about how I would use it is, as I mentioned I'm often shooting with two bodies and a 35 1.4 and a 56 1.2 when I'm having to react to a scene. But if I was just doing a portrait shoot where I just wanted one body, one lens, I think the 50 mil, because you're slightly wider and because it's so fast to focus and has that just sort of hard to pin down amazing image quality, uh, I think that would be a really tempting option as just like a one camera, one lens portrait option. Well, I was going to talk about the speed, actually, because um, if I was comparing it to a, a lens I used to use on my Canon system, the 85 1.2, I mean, that took an age mm-hmm. to focus. You, I mean, I used to joke that you could bring up two kids and send them off to university in the time that that, that thing took a lot of focus. But um, the experience of this F1 is not that at all, is it? It's, it's, it's quick. Yeah, it's super quick, um, obviously, in low light. It's amazing. We, we did a really nice shoot, actually, because as much as possible i like to kind of keep things relatively close to reality so i on that shoot we actually had a friend of mine who's a really talented artist studying at the royal academy and we had her working in this great museum in in london that's kind of very dark and full of old statues and curiosities and so it really gave us a chance to like put it through its paces and yeah i mean that was one of my main takeaways was just how reliable and fast it was but also wide open at f1 i think i talked a bit about this maybe in the video but in my past experience whenever i had used like a super fast lens whether in my rangefinder film days or trying various adapters the image quality of those lenses almost had a softness that eventually when the novelty ran out you kind of lost interest in them if that makes sense yeah the 50 mil f1 i shot the entire thing wide open for the entire day pretty much and something about the image quality where it's somehow amazingly sharp and soft at the same time mm. and as i said it doesn't have this slightly modern crisp look that the 56 1.2 has it has a more filmic um they talk about the, the way it was designed with smoother bokeh and stuff and i definitely noticed that so yeah it's, it's an intriguing lens it's i think it's definitely for the um slightly nerdy <laughs> picture quality <laughs> Uh, with deeper film. pockets with yeah. deeper pockets yeah yeah it's 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 interesting i heard you use a wonderful phrase jamie you think of documentary work as curating normality oh tell me that's your own first of all because i love that um as, <laughs> as far as i'm aware it is but good. you know how the the human mind works there's a good chance i probably saw that in a book or somewhere and have regurgitated it but, but, but uh, yeah it's definitely a, a mantra that i try and I to love, work along i love it do you think people want that more now in in fashion and portrait than they ever did because um i do you think people are escaping from the contrived nature of photography and and really wanting more of authenticity uh that would be nice if that's the case i mean obviously the photographic industry and the marketplace as a whole is so huge you know for every photographer doing something naturalistic there's probably another photographer doing something incredibly set up 
again, when, when I've talked in the past, I just talk about the fact that when you're working as a photographer, because it is this kind of marathon, not a sprint mentality, what really helped me along the sort of decade that I've been doing it is to find that way of shooting where I'm shooting in a way that stems from who I am as a person. And I'm quite a quiet, sort of chilled guy. I, I don't have that ability to walk onto a set with a huge team of people and create some amazing image from scratch. I'm much more observant. And uh, so that's the, the style that I've tried to work within. And, and I think long-term, you know, that's easier to maintain. And yeah, uh, hopefully there is there is a, a demand for that. But I don't know if it's a case of like, it's now in demand more than ever. There's a certain who's who element to your portrait gallery. There's some very well-known, very respected faces in there. I want to take you right back to the beginning, though, and try to to chart some of this success. How, mm-hmm. how did that all start to build where, where you were being called in to do these, um, these um, celeb and VIP portraits? Yeah, I mean, it was a very kind of slow process, gradually building momentum. And basically, once I graduated and I was back in London, I was um, kind of shooting like model test shoots and... Um, friends and family and just sort of like people I knew and then shooting some smaller things for magazines and I would say the two kind of um, early big step ups for me was that Nike project I mentioned earlier and then also I got hired to shoot Will Ferrell around the time uh, I think it was Anchorman 2 came out that was my first kind of um, experience with shooting like a you know big A-lister and having Mm. to deal with PR and stuff but yeah it's just been a very gradual you know taking the best part of 10 years to just slowly build up my clients and the people I've shot and the way that I shoot things to try and slowly draw it more into um, a niche web where kind of people approach, approach me for that style of shooting which I feel stronger about now more than ever and interestingly enough it was actually when I started doing the fashion week stuff more regularly that that helped me to really focus on my style and what what I like to shoot. There's a question I, I asked in magazines where when established photographers are asked about their career progression. Um, how would you go about launching yourself today in this time? And I, I, want, I wonder, with with your uh, your tenure experience now and, and um, very well respected, certainly in the in the capital as well, what what your answer might be? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, something that I've always I've found has helped me, and obviously in this age of social media and the internet, I do find it it's easier more than ever to to just kind of get stage fright and you know be constantly looking at. A million different photographers every day and trying to compare yourself or, or copy others or be pulled in a, in loads of different directions and obviously over the course of the last 10 years I've done a lot of that I've done a lot of kind of going down one avenue and then realizing no that wasn't for me and coming back to the center and then going off in a in another way and I think the thing that helped me was to kind of at the end of every month think about what was the thing that I enjoyed most that I shot in the last month and what was the thing that I really you know, would dread if someone asked me to shoot that again. And when you have that inspiration that comes from within, as opposed to kind of be overwhelmed by the amount of visual noise that's out there, I think that helps you to um, find your way a little bit more. So interestingly enough, I, as part of my lockdown, keeping busy routine, I, I was recently doing the, there's a really good course that Magnum released with Alex. So if, I don't know if you've are you, I know have it, come yeah. across it. Yeah. 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 Photographic storytelling. Mm. And he talks a lot about that, about, you know, finding your own little pockets of inspiration that hopefully come from outside of photography, whether that be 
painting, you know, movies, music. He talks a lot about how poetry has inspired him. And in my own experience, I was always really inspired by movies and cinematography. And I, I talked before about like when I'm shooting, I like to think of, of the shoot that I'm on as basically a film. And then I'm just pressing pause whenever it's a scene where, that I like the look of, mm-hmm. which is a weird way of talk, yeah, thinking that about it. But sense, yeah. that's kind of helped me. You know, I, I basically am taking the, I'm pressing the shutter when I have that cinematic buzz and that's really helped me to kind of try and shoot in a way which was i never i never found it that interesting to to look at photography as i'm shooting that that's more something where you know when i have a quiet period i'll go enjoy some photo books or an exhibition which i'm doing a lot of at the moment because i'm not shooting so much well i mean you mentioned it when uh, are you seeing the green shoots at all are, are you uh, are you getting out there are there any commissions coming in now i know i know the news changes week by week so asking a question today about it you know ne- you never know what yeah. the rules are going to be next week but what what what's what's happening in your world now yeah i mean it, it it's been pretty brutal in the sense that uh, a big part of my my work at the moment is i spend two to three months each year covering uh, fashion weeks and i've already sort of lost five weeks of that in september and in the summer where that kind of happened on a much more smaller scale and a bunch of other jobs that got cancelled during the initial lockdown period and uh, you know sort of like nibbles where something might happen but then due to covid restrictions it hasn't happened in the right way or whatever so it's not being great but i'm sort of trying to turn a negative into a positive in the sense that as as i mentioned obviously I've, i've been working and slowly building up over the course of 10 years and with this kind of enforced time out I'm trying to look at things that I can do to kind of relearn and refresh. So I mentioned I was doing that that Magnum course, which has been amazing. And I'm trying to shoot this personal project about Arsenal still, even though there's no matches uh, or fans. I'm still kind of documenting life around the stadium yeah. during lockdown, which is actually kind of interesting in its own sense, because a lot of people are using the stadium as a public space to do exercise and do their daily walks and stuff. So, yeah, just trying to kind of use the time wisely and then hopefully as things open up maybe into next year normality will return and you'll be back to a rock concert in the yeah. in the czech republic yeah it's actually funny when when i was in um paris in february which w- was obviously just as as covid was kind of exploding and actually i had been in milan that first weekend when they locked down um this town outside of milan that had one of the first outbreaks and there was oh. a lot of nerves within fashion month about yeah. Um, happening but on my last my last month of fashion month in Paris it just so happened that uh, a really iconic extreme metal band uh, Napalm Death I don't know if you've heard of them but Uh, not one of my regular uh, Sunday lessons no yeah (laughs) Um, they they were playing a gig at, at the Moulin Rouge Oh god, yeah. Well, I know the Moulin Rouge. Yeah, yeah. It, they, so they have like a sort of nightclub bar. I know venue. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought, like, oh, I've worked, I've worked really hard for a month, and this amazing band is playing, so I've got to go. Um, but I remember being at that concert, thinking, you know, everyone's moshing, and there's like sweat everywhere, and thinking, well, it's probably not going to happen again for uh, anytime soon. So that was the last concert I went to, and probably the the last one I will have gone to until well into next year. Well, we sincerely hope that it won't be long before Jamie is back in the mosh pit. And our thanks to him for his time. If you'd like to see more of uh, Jamie's work, then uh, go to jamiestoker.com. That's his website, easy as. Although, as always, find links to what you hear on the show at fujicast.co.uk. Well, it seems the lockdown is starting again in many countries. It's already here. 
for some, of course. If you need your daily photography podcast fixed during this time, then my other podcast, Photography Daily, is here to help out. Stories of life told by photographers. We start today with Denise Maxwell, who talks very appropriately about the first UK lockdown, although it could be internationally anywhere that she feared would take her business. It didn't, and she explains why. Tuesday and Wednesday, we have a two-parter with a, a very, very special guest. It's the exceptionally personal story of an international award-winning Reuters photographer based in Malta called Darren Zamet Lupi. He's been making a photo story of his daughter Bex, who one year ago was diagnosed with a particular type of rare bone cancer. Now, she's been fighting this during lockdown too, where hospital visits changed dramatically, as you can probably understand. It's a story of how to make the most personal photo story, and not one to be missed. Then on Thursday, YouTuber Sean Tucker is back. He's going to talk about photography at this time in our history. It's quite a philosophical week on Photography Daily, which you'll find on all your main podcast apps, and of course online via the photographydaily.show website. And some news of this podcast. Well, I'm able to be able to add some thoughts to this podcast, despite the recording being at the start of half-term holidays, because I make the show from my studio, and Kev has always needed to travel here so that the quality production side stands up. He, of course, is not here. It's the Sunday night before the Monday release. And I wanted to add that, of course, from this Wednesday night, Thursday morning, in England, we're back in full lockdown, stay-at-home mode. Of course, there are people this morning, this afternoon, this evening and tonight suffering from this terrible virus, and some will lose their battles. So when talking about photography, it could seem inappropriate in any way, shape and form to bemoan our lot. The reality, of course, remains that there is still personal, financial and mental loss felt by many affected by these world lockdowns, and the arts have seen their fair share of casualties. The Fujicast will continue, but Kev and I will be doing this remotely from his place and me hunkered down in the studio this end, linking it all up and piecing it together for your enjoyment. Now, last time uh, there was a lockdown, we went daily. This time we won't, as Photography Daily will be taking up that mantle. But we will, however, like to respond to your thoughts about the pandemic and how it affects you as a photographer. So send any questions to click at fujicast.co.uk that's click at fujicast.co.uk it can be camera related questions it can be fujifilm related questions it could be business or personal questions or sharings in terms of how this whole thing is affecting you winter in well this hemisphere at least is here so your thoughts are important stay safe seems to be a buzz phrase all too easily shared as an email signature these days for good reason but also, once again, from Kev and I, same applies. Stay safe, keep sending us your mails and your comments, and we'll make sure that we keep our end of the bargain as long as we're able to by making quality content for photographers, no matter what badge is on the front of your box. Right, Kev, your question. OK, so I have one from Peter Ortman, hmm. uh, who's from Belgium, and he says, Hi both, I quite like your podcast. <laughs> quite like <laughs> but as a non-native English speaker yes it is not always easy to follow ah oh, sorry that's but, Kev but he's, that helps me learn he says he speaks Welshanese <laughs> Welshanese yeah <laughs> uh, quite like your interview and thoughts about photography 
I have a wish for my Fuji cameras. I would love to be able to load into the camera a PNG file of the size of the sensor that oh, the, camera, yes, the camera would yeah. overlay onto the yeah, EVF. Yes, yes. This would allow me to overlay whatever reference lines mm. I need. Mm. For example, I could define square lines for Instagram and 16 by 9 cinema portions to the same time. Or I would define a vertical portion proportion even when shooting horizontals, allowing to reuse the image in either way. Even proportions could be greyed out, but the final JPEG RAW would still be 100% available. So while I shoot, I can visually care about the different proportions. There's a lot of word proportions mm. in this, a lot. Mm. The overlay file could be stored on the SD card, yes. or even many overlay files could be stored onto the cam, and then one chosen from, depending on the situation. Is this a good idea? Is it possible? What do you think, Peter? That's a really good idea, by the way. Well, you can do some of these things. So you've got you the, can, but but you're limited to what, what Fuji give you, Fujifilm give you. Correct. You can't make your own choices. And you can do sixteen by nine. You can do square. But say you wanted to do some of the other rules, you know. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I, I've or I've been asking for a long time for the Fibonacci spiral to be mm. in, the, in the overlays. That would be ace. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, that would have to be a PNG. I would imagine that's all they are. These things, PNGs. So yeah, I mean, I don't know whether they would. Whether I really don't know whether it would be possible for things to be uploaded into the firmware of the camera, but certainly I would like to see them have more overlays, like the Fibonacci yeah, spot. Because you could, you could also use it to put text on there to remind you of things you need to capture and look out for in your, in your images. There were so many different... Stop falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Stop mm. pretending that you're awake taking a picture of this speech. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing about masks, though, at weddings, isn't it? Because you can yawn during the speeches. Nobody notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's if you can shoot a wedding. Yeah, true. If it's not being broken up by the police, oh, uh, excuse me, are you having yeah. an illegal rave? No, it's a wedding. That's even worse. Come with me, sunshine. <laughs> so, yeah, there we go, Peter. I think uh, some of the things you can do already, but, um, yeah, I don't think that they would allow people to upload PNGs. Mm. Who knows? However, I agree with you that it would be nice to have more overlays. Definitely. Do you get an opportunity to suggest these things to... Uh... I've I've mentioned the um, overlays many times. Yeah. yeah, many, many times. We shall consider. We shall consider, mm. yeah. And I know other people have too, so... Mm. But but that doesn't mean that, you know, there's priorities. And, and people often think, believe it or not, with the firmware stuff... Mm. That it's you know it's like why haven't we got classic neg in XT3? It's in the XT4, isn't you know it's in GFX100. It's not just a simple case of pressing a button. Mm. It's a massive, massive job. There's an entire mm. team dedicated to it. Um, and firmware writing is not the same as writing software for websites and for mm. computers. Mm. It's a whole different ball game. So it's not as easy as as it sounds. Um, but it's, it's a good suggestion. It is a very good suggestion, yeah. and I'm 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 fully with Peter um, mm. that. Our podcasts are not easy to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Paffy. Uh, our old mate, Barry Paffy. Yeah, good old Barry. Hi, Neil. Hi, hi, Kev. I know this is probably the wrong time to be upgrading cameras, but I recently traded in some not-so-old kit, X-T3, to get an X-T4. I then used it at my third wedding wedding of the year. Wow, you're working weddings? Where'd you get one of those this time of the year? And I was so impressed I traded in more gear to get a second X-T4. You're X-T4'd up now, aren't you? The main reason for the second purchase was that um, I'd been managing to book winter wedding work and I'll be photographing stills as well as shooting video and the X-T4, in my opinion, is a perfect camera for the job. You're not wrong there. You're absolutely right, Barry. I photographed many weddings and videoed a handful but never both at the same time. To be honest, I'll only be filming the ceremony and speeches so not the whole thing but still a bit scary mixing the two disciplines. My question, have either of you been tempted to offer both stills and video as a package same time? Uh, yes, but I tell you what, it's so counterintuitive. 
You know, one of them you're working with uh, getting your shutter speed down, and the other one you're working with getting your shutter speed up so your, your, your stills aren't all blurry. So I find it a bit of a counterintuitive thing. And the moment that you then put everything on automatic, well, then, you know... Well, well no, you know, on, on X-T4 you can set up your stills and You can your... do them separately, yeah, that's true. Oh, my argument might be entirely shot out the water there, then. I, I have to say it, it fills me with dread, the thought of doing both. I think you photograph and film in a totally different yeah. way. You look and you act and you approach the subject matter... I think entirely differently when you're doing when you're doing both, and does one suffer above the other? For me, it does. I think if I'm there doing video, I can concentrate, and I'm thinking I'm looking at movement um, in a different way to the movement I would be uh, that I would be recording or or, or you know or capturing as a stills photographer. I think I'd treat it in a different way, and I don't think I'd be able to do both as well. Mm. I think the people that succeed with with doing both the fusion stuff are people are too. Two people, two shooters. Teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think doing it, doing think it on, your, on your Todd is is. Um, I think you're always going to be making a compromise. I know there will be people here saying at the moment, no, not at all. But that's just. Well, you're always going to be worried. So, for example, even if you're just doing static filming, what I call static filming, mm-hmm. which is basically tripod at the end of the aisle, yeah, film, off. film the whole locked off. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're doing that and then you're off to the edge shooting stills on another camera, you're constantly going to be thinking, as the battery run out, has anybody kicked the tripod leg? Mm-hmm. Is it still, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind is of stuff. Is it on? Is it in focus? Yeah, all of that. Is it tracking? Yeah. Yeah. Very difficult thing to do. It fills me with the heebie-jeebies, that. I did, I did actually try to do it a few times. And I remember once coming back and looking at the video thinking, who's that idiot that's standing in front of the, the line of sight of that? And it was me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, God, you knew it was there and you still stood in front of it. Yeah. You donut. Yeah. Right, book time. Book time. Okay, so this week we have uh, William Gedney. Only the lonely. Uh, what? Isn't that how it Oh, goes? that's the title. Yeah, only the only. 1955 to 1984. Right. Um, I've just checked on Amazon. It is available um, because I do often get emails from people saying, oh, books you can't get hold of. Uh, however, it does say two left in stock. Mm. Mm. Get in there quick. Uh, £30 there, right? Um, no, so this, again, is all black and white, kind of Midwest American, Kentucky kind of area. Um as well, the date obviously says 1955 to 1984. It's retrospective of uh, William Gedney's work, and according to the blurb, which I, I couldn't quite figure out in my in my image in the images I was looking at, so it kind of doesn't doesn't kind of correlate in that respect. It's during a time when he was uh, laid off and was documenting coal miners. But this this book is, I think, it's a bit of an amalgamation of all kinds of different work because the pe- the book I'm looking at, the page I'm looking at on 112 is. Um, in India, so he did some time in India, and and the the interesting thing about this is that the again it's all black and white, and it, it, right at the back of the book it goes through all of the plates and the uh, the print formats as well. So if you're interested oh, in that right, stuff, okay. which is yeah, quite, quite yeah, nice, yeah, um, extra info, extra info, extra info, get it here. But you know it's the time sixty nine to seventy one here in India. He spent two years there clearly, but this literally could be sixteen fifty, eighteen fifty, you know. Like this is India has changed so dramatically in in the the two in the twenty thirty forty years since then, whereas if you look at the stuff from so this next one here is Dublin um, St Stephen's Green, which is a very famous part of Dublin, and uh, nineteen seventy four, which is only two years later than that mm. that picture in India, and you know looks apart from what people are wearing doesn't look too dissimilar to to what you're seeing now in, mm. in Dublin, you know. Mm. 
so again there's a lot of kind of social documentary stuff going on here uh, people at beaches I like the I like the stuff in Ireland it's got the old women yeah. nattering on the street corner yeah, yeah. there I love that I love Ireland yeah I love Dublin and well, that, those outskirts of Dublin are great, aren't yeah. they? You know where well, they. I don't have, think I've ever seen Dublin in focus. They often, <laughs> they often have uh, you know like three or four houses just yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I like it. And yeah, I mean, it's it's another one of those books that uh, it starts off with more of the the Kentucky kind of Western stuff, but a lot of portraits of people. And it goes back to that thing we mentioned last week about people drinking beer and stuff. You know, you get that these guys you know they're filthy they're on a uh, a wrecked car swirling Budweiser of course (laughs) gotta be Budweiser why's it gotta be Bud Uh, well it's American isn't it that's what that's what synonymous with it Um, I love this picture Big Rock Kentucky July 15th uh, 1964 that looks like something out of Deliverance does it let me have a look Um, oh it does doesn't it yeah uh, and, 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 and you know, and that's because it was really like that, you know, very abandoned cars, wooden shack house, dog barking. You, you just get you can almost hear the scene looking at this picture. So, again, it's a retrospective uh, stuff. That's I think that's probably my favorite one. Um, Big Rock, Kentucky, again, July or July 26th, 1964. The Cornets family uh, is that little boy drinking from a teacup of water stood on a, a tin pot getting him up to the sink fantastic look at that yeah yeah there we go william gedney only the lonely uh 1955 to 1984 nice good stuff perfect like that right back to your questions jody stales has sent one in hi kev hi neil um due to health problems i'm considering adjusting my existing way of photography after a brain trauma injury sorry to hear that jody i noticed more and more permanent difficulties in coordination attention performing multiple tasks as my working memory fills up quickly, etc. Multiple cameras, different lenses, different settings here and there just become too difficult. I'm wondering in which way a zoom lens can become part of the solution. Bert Stefani, good old Bert. Big Bert. Big Bert. (laughs) I always expect that. (laughs) Big Bert Stefani always confirmed to me that the 1655 is a very good lens. Do you agree? Currently, I have a 35 at 56 and the uh, the X100F, which, of course, has the 23 on it. At the same time, I consider whether um, an upgrade to a different body could also offer more comfort while working. I have an X-T1, an oldie, but my first Fuji camera, an X-T10, once as a backup, and an X100F, legendary, says Jody. A more modern camera can probably provide support in my photo work. How do you see that? There are some... Um, there are some another. There's another follow-up question to that, but let's deal with that first of all. 1655. First of all, I think we mentioned hmm. yes. Yeah, and we've already said that. So that that would be the the lens I would choose on my um, yeah X Pro Three. If That's I was the one I'd go one, for. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a fab lens. Takes a it takes a little while to get used to using Zoom again photographically. I mean, I use mine in video all the time. Love it. Perfect. Perfect. But whenever I use a zoom in terms of stills work, it takes me a little bit longer to uh, just to get to grips with. Do you do you find that? you don't really yeah. use them for stills? Do you? No, I don't. No. I, well, no, I do. But I, I, for the um, like the sports stuff, when I used to do the the stuff for the Great Run Company and things, um, so I use the zooms for those. And yeah, what uh, you know, the sixteen fifty five is particularly good for the wide angle stuff. Um, and then I'll use the uh, forty to. No, that's 70 to 140, whatever that is. 70 to 150. 70 to 150. Yeah. 
Um, for the no, long, 50 to 140. 50 to 140. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Let's get this sorted. Oh, my God. Do we know what we're talking about? It's been no, a long today. day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, welcome to the Confusion Cast. <laughs> 50 to 140. <laughs> 50 which is, you know, I, 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 that was one of my biggest mistakes was getting rid of that lens. Oh, I wish I had it. Did you it. have that, did you? I had it. Yeah. And I just didn't use it. And you know what it's like when you no longer have it. You think, oh, there's so many things I could use this for. I borrowed it, didn't I, to go to Africa with? Oh, you borrowed my one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did give it back, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no. And I've, I did insure it. I've definitely got that one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but the 1655, that's that's smaller and lighter and probably more uh, u- useful for uh, kind of portraits, wide, landscapey stuff, streets, there, thereabouts. Um, yeah, it's a tough one when you you know you you've got a uh, you know physical disability, I suppose uh, that yeah. forces you down to down the line of using something specific. It's quite light as well, by the way. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's not, it's not heavy, quite light. heavy lens, is it? No, no. I think that would be that would be the one. But because like, if you look at sort of, I suppose the full frame equivalent of twenty four seventy, wouldn't wouldn't it? I mean, some of those twenty four seventy lenses are uh, oh, just so. I know the Canon one in particular, really good lens, but heavy, heavy as doorstop, mm, doorstop mm, heavy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it does sound like Jody, you've got quite a lot of gear anyway. So you know, this, this that that lens, that sixteen fifty five, will work across all of your old legacy bodies as mm. well. You know, the older ones. Uh, yeah, that's what I would probably. Pop four. So there's a follow-up bit. I like to change my photometry and autofocus settings regularly. Furthermore, it's, it, it, is, it is important to be able to quickly switch between certain modes where I can predefine as many settings as possible, like f- uh, format, film simulation, light metering, autofocus. These seem to be conditions for being able to work comfortably again. Main focus is, is really on re- reportage, storytelling, portrait sessions. And in the future, I might like to make more use of videos. So maybe some insights on that as well. Well, I think... Goodness, yeah, sixteen fifty-five for me. Perfect, perfect, perfect lens for video work. Absolutely perfect. Say it again. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's that's often the one I'll use from when I'm doing videos as well. Yeah, sixteen fifty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What camera did you say she had? XT two. Uh, oh, just put it on the floor now. Hold on. Oh, Jody threw you in the bin already. No, no, no. It was on the floor. The I've done this question pile. Um, has the X100F and the X-T1, she said. Yeah, X-T1. X-T10 as well, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So X-T1, X-T10. Um, both of those will have the... Uh, well, the X-T1, you've got the photometry dial at the top, the mm-hmm. collar, so you can flip mm-hmm. between the uh, the meter in very easily. I think on the X-T4, that's disappeared, which mm-hmm. I quite like that on the X-T range. Um, if you have to, if you end up on the XT10, I don't think you've got a dial, so you might want to apply a function button mm-hmm. to the um, photometry. Do you know what I had? I had two comments on my face on my YouTube this week. Were they nice ones or no? Not, Do we have to get a tin helmet on? No, no, no. They weren't. Ni- they were aimed at. They weren't aimed at me as such. So one of the first one was really aggressive kind of. Why on earth do they call it photometry when everybody else calls it metering? That's how stupid Fujifilm is. A ridiculous comment. <laughs> I know. And I was like, well, actually, I think technically it is called photometry. But, you know, I get your point. It is different. Yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, they're not stupid. It's Look it just up. just a different thing. There's a thing called Google. And, I, and I'm like, why are, you ta- why are you shouting at me? Yeah. And then another person wrote um, oh, no. on, a, on a, a review I did of the X-T100 a long, long time ago. Oh, stand by. He goes... Uh, Every every time I photograph white clouds, they're out, they're overexposed on my XT100. Right. And so I replied saying, "Well, um, you know, that exposure is exposure. Mm. Try mm. you know either metering metering differently, and if you're using mm. an auto mode or or bringing the exposure down, exposure compensation. Mm. Maybe mm. you know you've got an electronic viewfinder so you can see the exposure." 
And he said, you do not understand, idiot. It's never overexposed on my Nikon cameras. Okay. And I was like, okay, fair enough. So I just didn't bother replying to that one. Didn't call you idiot, did he? Yeah, he said, go and see a shrink. (laughs) 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 I was like, oh. So people are like, you know, there's nothing to do with me. You're... Like, I am not Fujifilm. Let's yeah. just get this straight. I am not Fujifilm. So shouting at me and that they call it photometry uh, is n- neither here nor there. But also the, the, the stark rudeness of <laughs> some people. Go see a shrink. Well, look, you're having a conversation. I know, and I was helping him. I yeah. was giving him a very helpful feedback. You know, it was like, okay, you know, the exposure is... This is how I you don't know what Nikon it. does within the body. Maybe it does something very magical within the within the body to to bring everything into perfect exposure, or whatever. But I, I doubt. I doubt. Well, let me give. Um, I doubt Ansel Adams, for example, mm. um, had some of the electronic wizardry to help him get this right. And he would have had a situation where where clouds and skies could have been a little bit overexposed had he had he not actually done the the work that he did, yeah. the progressive work that he did throughout his career to work out how to sort that problem out I know. thank god he didn't have a youtube channel can oh. you imagine dullards like that getting in touch with ansel adams I know, I know. and calling him an idiot i know listen adams who do you think you are i am ansel the zone maker <laughs> yeah. have we got time for one more uh yeah this is from uh chuck nick norris and he says <laughs> is uh, it chuck norris again chuck norris again chuck nick norris <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm using the X-Pro3. What are my gear options for fashion shows? Hang on. Didn't he ask us last week what his options were for film, for doing film sets? Yeah. Chuck Nick Norris, you're doing too much work. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, no, it's good. Good for you. What are my gear options for fashion shows? Mm. Not sure what off-camera flashes I'd need. Uh, no, Jamie talked about fashion shows. Mm, he doesn't use a lot of flash, to, no. be, to be fair. He can, he can, but uh, he loves using his X-Pro range, actually. And go. his work has very much become, as you've heard him talk about, um, his work has become very, very uh, document- week, do- do- yeah, documentary in style. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, I, I, if I was, let's just say somebody said to me, right, Mullins, get off your great big bum and go and photograph this fashion shoot tomorrow. Yep. Um, I would take, and I have, I would, I've uh, got an Expo three. I would take sixteen fifty five. I would also take a fast prime telephoto type length, so fifty six one point two. Yep. Which I believe Jamie loves as well. Flash. I would take the Godox Niwa thing X four thirty FX. Right. Uh, I'm not very familiar with the Godox stuff. I've got one of them. Yeah. Uh, might need to find out where it is and charge it. <laughs> you didn't throw that one away as well, I, have you? I, I kept the manual for that. <laughs> I tell you what, listeners. I, a couple of weeks ago, I asked him for the the Ranger series Elincrom that he had. He said I'd thrown it out down the tip. I did. I said you've done what? I was going to offer you at least twenty five quid for that. <laughs> I did. So is that your suggestion for him? Get the Godox and the. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, there are better people to talk about the Flash, but yes, I think the Godox is the is the preferred gear of yeah, choice yeah. right now super alright well that's it for another week thank you very much for joining us if you'd like to keep sending your questions in please do they are the lifeblood of the show uh, and you can send them into click at fujicast.co.uk or you can send them in via the, the Facebook page do not forget to go to the show page yes Kev puts all the links there diligently each week and then you just don't go and go there every Monday morning I'm sat there on that website waiting for you to turn up like my I'm sat in my own kitchen party by myself in his underpants in my underpants drinking a glass of wine and nobody is there and it's <laughs> half past seven in the morning <laughs> oh, see now that's how important it is so make sure you go there 
because he actually does. Do you actually watch the figures come in? As yeah, well, exclusively. Refresh. Uh, sometimes I don't refresh. even go to bed on a Sunday night refresh. because I'm so excited. Refresh. Yeah. Refresh. That's it. Uh, those of you who are on the Patreon, um, of course, don't. You don't need to go to the website. It doesn't matter because we just love you always. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music from the incredible Artlist.io, and we will see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. The Fuji Cast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.